Podcasting from the Star Group, home of the iconic Dressable Lions. This is Beyond the Known, the podcast that takes you a step beyond what you know about business. I'm your host, Paul M. Newberger, president of the Star Group. On today's episode of Beyond the Known, our guest is Blair Busack, principal of the Institute of Technology and Academics. Blair, welcome to the program today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Wonderful for you to be here with us. And I'm a big fan of ITA, as are several individuals here associated with the Star Group. So let's start with this. How did you become involved with ITA? Well, it goes back quite some ways. I uh, moved to Milwaukee because I had just passion for urban youth. I really wanted to work with kids that needed me the most. I grew up in the suburbs, taught there, and was just a little bored. And so when I came to Milwaukee, I started working with some urban schools. Wasn't quite the right fit, and then happened to land at ITA as a middle school teacher 10 years ago. And then just kind of went through the ranks that, you know, no jobs, too small, too big. Became the dean of instruction, dean of students, reading specialist, and now finally the principal. Jack of all trades. There's a lot of hats on that there head of yours. Some days it's the lunch lady. Some days it's janitor. Some days, you know, you're on cleanup duty. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You just never know what you're going to walk into some days. Well, you had alluded to the fact that you're passionate about helping urban youth. Is there a story behind that? Where did that passion come to be? Well, it started in Madison while I was doing my practicum. And I was in a second grade classroom, brought cupcakes for my first day, little white sprinkles. And the girl asked for a baggie. I thought that she was going to take the cupcake home. She took off all the little white sprinkles and was like, Mrs. Busek, I have cocaine. And that's when I said, no third grader should ever know that. That is not what I want for the children that I'm involved with. And that's what opened my eyes to not everybody lived the life I lived and not everybody has the same experiences I have or the same opportunities I had. And that's really where I decided to move to Milwaukee because that's where the need is the most and put down roots here. Yeah, I can see how that would be an eye-opening experience for you. And I think that that's a good segue into this next question. Basically, you know, what are some of the specific challenges that low-income schools, low-income students and their families face on an ongoing basis? Well, you know, doing it for 10 years, you've heard it all. I mean, the drug abuse, the incarceration, the domestic violence, And we're a small school of 300 and some kids, so you get to know the families really well. They've been with us some for 10 years. I mean, the most awe-shocking thing is I was picking up a student for class because he missed his bus, and he's like, Ms. Busek, you want to see my gunshot wound? And I was like, sure. And so again, I grew up in a really small town. That's just not something I was used to seeing. The homelessness rate for some of our kids, they'll call and be like, we don't know where we're going to be. They need hotel rooms. You just become more than a teacher, more than a principal. You become a resource to your family. Yeah, one of the things that really kind of opened my eyes is I try to get involved as much as I possibly can with local nonprofits. I serve on multiple boards. I think I'd be a professional board member if I could, but there's not enough hours in the day. And one of the organizations that I admire is Feeding America. And one of the things that they had shared with us at a recent event is a sizable portion of youth in the inner cities and their families don't have enough food to get through the day. I think when you think of 
starvation. When you think of hunger, you think of sub-Sahara Africa, you think of third world nations. You don't always think right here in your backyard. I mean, to me, that's unacceptable. To me, I don't know how something like that is allowed to happen. I know why it does, but it's it really is eye-opening for me. So with respect to these challenges that you have encountered with poverty, with violence, with hunger, with, with all these other things, do you think the situation has gotten better over the years? Do you think it's gotten worse over the years? And how so? Well, I think the situation has remained the same. It's not getting better. It's not getting worse. The obstacles that were in place 10 years ago are still in place now. I honestly believe that we have, like I said, we've got about a 90% attrition rate. Our kids stay our kids. And then the longer that we have them, the more tools they have in their toolkit to handle the things that come up in their neighborhoods. So they know that they have a safe place. They know that they always have food when they're with ITA. It's so interesting that you say that because it's such a mind shift you have to have. A teacher came to me and said, well, so-and-so is stealing food from the cafeteria. Okay. And so you go to them and you say, you don't have to steal, just ask. And we'll send you home food. And so I think that after they know and trust you, they figure out, well, if I don't have food, they'll give me food. If I don't have a safe place, they'll make sure that I'm safe. So I think the obstacles stay the same, but the longer they're with us, we give them the resources to deal with the things that they experience at their home. Well, let's dive a little deeper into that because one of the things I want to take advantage of is is you're on the front lines. You're seeing things that a lot of us don't. You're experiencing things that a lot of us don't. And I certainly want our listeners to, to get a better understanding and picture of what exactly is going on. You had said that the situation has remained the same. Well, I guess on one side of the coin, it's a cause to celebrate that things aren't getting worse. But on the other side of the coin, well, we should be concerned that things aren't getting better necessarily. You had said part of the reason that was is the obstacles that were there 10 years ago remain. What are those obstacles? I think that the population that we serve, it's the generational poverty. Like, I know what it's like to eat ramen for four years of college, but I know that there's something different to come. But really, our families have lived in this loop of poverty where there is no end in sight, no light at that end of the tunnel. And our kids are having kids and our babies are having babies and there's just not enough education out there for our families to see that there is a way out of poverty and to even show them what that looks like. Most of our kids have not left Milwaukee or even more to say, they haven't left within eight blocks of their home. So they don't know what it looks like on the South side. Our school is located literally three minutes from Mequon, one of the wealthiest suburbs around, our kids have no clue what happens after those three miles, where there's not trash in the roads, where the homes are furnished, where you don't see broken windows and bars on the windows and plywood covering them. They just don't even have a sense of what the change might be. And when you don't even understand what the possibilities are, it's hard to reach that. Yeah, and I'm sure if you had the answers to this question, you would be, not to say that you're not now, but you'd probably be a pretty in-demand person, but how do you break 
that cycle of poverty. What is the way out of it? Now, I know organizations like ITA require donations, need donations, financial support, I have to assume. And money is certainly a an important tool in the toolbox, but is, is the way out of poverty just to throw money at it? I mean, what are the ways that we start breaking this cycle and starting to see the change that we aspire to bring about in the world here? Well, I think that it's experiences. One of the things that ITA does really well is we take kids places. So it's amazing when I take the eighth graders to go cut down a Christmas tree. They've never been out of the city. They're like, what? Or when you take them to a farm, they've never seen a cow before. When we take our kids to colleges, we take them to Madison. We Even our visits to UW-Milwaukee, they've never even been to UW-Milwaukee when they live four miles from the campus. And so it's first that opportunities and experiences to see things outside of the city. And I think also it is teaching kids the professional norms that they don't get in their everyday life. So when I was growing up, I learned how to make eye contact. When I was growing up, I learned how to give a handshake. And those things just don't happen naturally in the environment that they're living in. So you have to teach them how to shake a hand, which you wouldn't have to do in another school. And you have to teach them, and I tell them, I have to teach them how to code shift. Things that happen in your neighborhood, you may have to act a certain way. So when you're on the streets, you need to be tough. You need to protect yourself. But you also need to learn to code switch. When you're in a professional area, you play by a different set of rules. And so when someone says something you don't like at work, you don't get to act the same way you do on the streets. And so it's really teaching them that skill of how to have one foot in both worlds until you can get two feet in that professional world and to make it through. Yeah, that's a good answer. I like that. Seeing the cows cutting down a Christmas tree and things that we take for granted based on our experiences and what we've grown up with. How cool is that? We're not just going to teach you how to be a mathematician or how to prepare for a career. We're going to teach you how to be prepared for life. So kudos to you for doing that as well. And I have to imagine, despite the challenges, despite the struggles, there's probably been a good amount of success stories that you've seen and that you've witnessed, and it's got to make your job a little bit more worthwhile. So can you share a success story or two based on the work you do at ITA? Well, I mean, there are so many. It's hard when you have a kid that doesn't make it, but when you see, when you get that invitation to their college graduation ceremony and know that that was four years ago and they're still thinking of you, it's amazing. We've had so many kids go into the armed forces. We've got a group graduating from Alverno this year, and it's amazing that they still come back after all of this time and then want to show you their diploma. They want to show you their graduation certificate. We even have one girl who's coming to my mind who is a TA, and she said, I just want to come back home. I want to work here. And so it's great that you've left such a mark that they always end up coming back home. No matter whether they're doing well or whether they're not doing well, they always end up coming back. Either they need help finding a job or they just want to share their successes. Well, and speaking of successes, ITA has certainly seen its fair share over the last several years. I understand you guys started 15 years ago, and when you first opened your doors, there was just a small handful of students 
Well, now you've grown to two locations with about 325 students. That doesn't happen by accident. Kudos to you. Kudos to your team. Kudos to the people that came before you. Why has ITA seen this level of growth? It's the commitment to care. I mean, it is honestly, it's a passion. And I think that you don't find that a lot of schools. You definitely have a community. It's a family. And once you're part of that family, all of a sudden they're like, hey, they tell their sister, they tell your brother, and then they want to be part of that family with you because it's not something that you get at a lot of schools is just help and not just help with academics, but just help. Talk to me, speaking of help, talk to me a little bit about the Milwaukee Parental Choice Program. How has that been a help to the families? How has that been a help to the students? How has that been a help to the ITA organization as a whole? Well, I'm just a big supporter of the Choice Program. In order for our families to have free tuition to our private school, they have to fall 300% below the poverty line. So that is quite a bit below the poverty line, which does provide some hindrances. However, it gives families that have never had a choice in schools before the option. They can't afford to send their kids to a private school. They only had the choice of the local school that's on the corner. And whether that is the best school or the worst school, they didn't have a choice. And so what this program has done is it has given parents the option to choose the school that is best for them. ITA might not be the best school for that child or MPS might not be the best school for that child, but at least they have a choice in the matter. To me, the choice program seems outstanding. It seems common sense. It seems like it empowers families. It allows them to have opportunities and access that they never would have had before. Yet the choice program has a decent amount of detractors as well. Why is that? Some people believe that it takes funding away from their public schools. And well, not really, because the kids don't attend there, so they don't need the money for that child. It just gives the money to whatever school they happen to be attending. And to be honest, choice schools get funded quite a bit less than public schools. And so it's even doing more with less. And I would agree. I'm a huge proponent of the choice program. And it's just, it's wonderful work. And I'm really glad that you guys are doing that to the degree that you are. I'm also pleased with your mission for what it's worth. Success is the only option. I try to get out of bed and say that same thing to myself. You will not fail today, Newberger. Today, success is the only option. My question for you, though, is I would also argue that success can be a bit of a subjective term. What does success mean to ITA? What does that mean success is the only option? How do you define success? Well, it's interesting that it kind of goes that way. Success is options, in my mind. It is the option to do whatever you would like. We do not push four-year college on our students. That's an option. I want you to have every opportunity to attend a four-year college if that's the route you want to take. If you want to go to a trade school, I want you to have all of the background knowledge, all of the schooling, all of the education. So that is an option for you. If you want to go into janitorial, that's perfect. Let me just make sure that's an option for you. So it looks different for every single kid. But what I don't want them to ever be is have a dream and then it, there not be the option of having that dream. So whatever your dream looks like, we're going to prepare you for that.
Yeah, and so just to stay on that again, because I find that fascinating. It's a wonderful slogan to immerse your kids in, your faculty, your staff, everybody. I mean, that's not just for the students for sure, but how specifically is that practiced in the classroom then? How is this behavior learned? How are they immersed in this? How do they become caught up in that as a mission statement? Well, it really comes from the modeling of our staff, of everyone that works at there, is that we're just not going to let you fail. If that means picking you up on a Saturday and bringing you to school, guess what we do? Beep, beep, at 8 o'clock, I'm out front. And so it means trying to problem solve around the problems in their life. So it comes to my head, a kid was sleeping in class all the time. Okay, instead of being mad, why are you sleeping? It's, you know, let's figure it out. Oh, your mom works late and you have to get the kids ready. She's not home there to wait. She's not home to wake you up for school. Aha, let's buy you an alarm clock. And so then you send the alarm clock home with the kid because then you're getting to the root of the problem to make success success the only option. Yeah, so we're talking about slogans. Well, let's also talk about models. So your model at ITA is crib to college. Can that you, is the dream. Can you explain that? What does that mean to you? So we noticed a few years ago that our four-year-olds were coming behind. And when you start behind when you're four, it's already really difficult for you. And so that's when Partner Business Hearts and Minds was open with Just Uli. And we decided to offer really quality education that would prepare kids for school because we just weren't seeing a lot of it in the city, is that they weren't coming with those foundational skills that they needed to be ready for K-4. So that's when Hearts and Minds was born. And again, it's only because it keeps growing and kind of becomes a pipeline because then we have them when they're six weeks old, two years old, and then they go into ITA at four. And you've already got such a strong relationship with the families built and they're academically ready for what's going to four-year-old kindergarten. And then that brings us to the dream. So right now the dream is a high school. It is saddening to learn that some kids get so comfortable at ITA. They've got everything they need, you know, teachers at the push of a button, principal at just a phone call away, and then they go to some of these larger high schools in the city, and they get lost. They just don't have the supports. And so opening an ITA high school would really give us that full 18 years of their life to help prepare them for the rest. Well, one of the things, you probably hear this a lot, but one of the things that I admire about ITA is you're not just an educational institution. I mean, I see an entrepreneurial spirit in your organization that you don't find at a lot of entities like yours. I mean, in addition to what you do as an educational institution, you already alluded to that. You opened Hearts and Minds Child Care. In addition to that, you have a catering company, Yummy Foods, which provides quality breakfast and hot lunch to the students. In addition to that, two years ago, you decided to start your very own transportation company. I mean, this is like an entrepreneurial model, an entrepreneurial hub. You recognize problems, you recognize areas that need to be improved. And like any good business owner, any good organization, you come up with solutions to those problems. Is this normal? Or is this one of these things that sets ITA apart from similar organizations? Well, I definitely think it sets us apart because it wasn't opened as a business model. We found a need that other businesses couldn't provide. Nobody loves our kids like we love our kids. And so with Yummy Foods, 
we noticed that, especially in our area, 85th and Brown Deer, the grocery stores have closed, that there's nowhere for our families to get food. And that's when, okay, we're doing a salad bar every day. Our kids need fresh fruits, fresh vegetables. We would go and we would see our family shopping at Menards for their groceries. And that's when, you know, we're able as yummy foods to provide something to them that no other company could or that just what we needed at the time. The same thing with the transportation company. Our, I love my city, but the city isn't safe. And having kids on the bus stops, having kids being dropped off at five o'clock, it's dark. It just wasn't what was best for our kids. The drivers didn't know our kids, didn't know our families. So in able, being able to have our own transportation company, we were able to take all of that over. No more corner stops. We're picking you up and dropping you off at your house because that's what's best for you. We're able to hire our own drivers that know the parents, have their phone numbers, call, know when something doesn't look right because that's what's best for you. So the businesses, they're great, but they came out of just our overarching love for the children what is best for them yeah i'm curious about what ita has done to help your students succeed in the midst of this global pandemic i mean you hear education in the news a lot as a result of some of this disruption many schools are back some schools still aren't many people are chomping at the bit to come back you've got some teachers unions that still don't want to come back i mean there's, there's just a lot of dialogue around education during this period of disruption so what has ita done to help your students succeed during these really unprecedented times well of course having the yummy and the transportation let us take care of their most basic needs. We know that as a school, we provided most of the nutrition for them. So yummy foods, we give them five days of food, five days of breakfast, gallons of milk every single week. We also know that with the population we serve, they aren't mobile. So I know some schools, they have to come and pick it up from the school. Our families can't do that. So we deliver it to you. Every single week, the drivers know you and I mean, our parents are so grateful. They send me pictures of their kids eating. They're just so happy to have that still in place. In addition to that, we're able to drop off materials to them. So because we've got drivers that stop there every week, they get their new workbooks, they get their new packets, they get their new everything they need to be successful. And that's so important because many of our families aren't technology literate. They don't know how to submit a Google form. They don't know how to upload a document that their kid has completed. So in an effort to make it ease of this already very difficult time for them, that's fine. We'll just pick up your paperwork. We bring it to school and get it to the teachers for you. I guess the last thing is just being the ease of being there. Parents call. They're like, we do not know what's going on with that computer okay, we'll be right out. And so we just go to their house. Let me help you through this. A lot of them just don't have the technology skills that is needed to be completely digital learning. So just being a phone call away and being willing to go out into your community, go in, sit down on the couch and be like, let me help you through this. Let me show you how Google Docs works. Yeah, one of the things that really stands out to me, Blair, in addition to your passion, in addition to your why, in addition to your calling to do this on an ongoing regular basis is your insistence that you're never too good for any job, that there's nothing beneath you. And part of the reason that I admire that about you is you remind me of my father. 
And one of the things my dad did to put my brother and I through a private Catholic school that we really couldn't afford was for about 12 years. He took a second job as a paper boy. This 40-year-old man stuffing papers, delivering papers at one in the morning. And I always thought, Dad, being a paper boy is beneath you. Why are you doing this? My dad retired, only he didn't, and now he drives limo from time to time, and he'll be running errands for the family. He'll go to the pick and save and, and buy groceries. Dad, you're not a servant. You're nobody's errand boy. What are you doing? And I remember one time, and my dad doesn't lose his temper. He lost his temper to some degree. Paul, there's value in hard work. I'm not too good for any job. And that really spoke volumes to me. And it seems like you have that in common with my father. Have you always been that way? Is that a trait that you learned? And if so, who'd you learn that from? Well, I'm going to have to say your dad sounds just like my dad. He has always told me right is right and wrong is wrong. And when it's gray, it's that's the hard time. And so if you know something is right for a family, you go do it. If you know that this is what's best, you go do it. When things get gray, that's when you just have to lean on that right is right and wrong is wrong. And he always taught me that hard work pays off. And when I sit and I look around at the campuses, the beautiful daycare, the beautiful smiles on the kids' faces, that's all the hard work that we put into this. And that the kids that are going to college that never could have gone to college, that's because of the hard work that everybody at ITA puts in. It's the belief that our kids can succeed. And it's the hard work because it is very difficult, very trying at times, but it's that hard work that makes it all worth it. So just like you've inspired me during this conversation, I guarantee you, you've inspired a number of our listeners as well. And one of the things that's unique about our listeners is we're not just philosophizers. We're not sidelines people. We are in the arena kind of people. So give us a call to action. Let's do this as a two-part question. One, what is ITA's greatest need right now? And how can people assist with those needs? Our greatest need is partnership and funding. As you said, we are trying to grow. And in order to help our kids be successful and get to that adulthood, we need to expand. We need a gym. We need a high school. And my love would be able to reach more kids. Right now, we have been waitlisted for eight years. And that just means that there's kids out there that want our help, but we just can't because we don't have the space and we don't have the funding to build that. And so what we need is partnerships that will help us put us in place with the right people that share our vision of helping the kids in Milwaukee. Because like you said, there's a lot of people out there that want to build houses in foreign countries or send money overseas. There's kids in this city that need us. There's kids right here, right next door like you said, don't have enough food, don't have that safe, stable home. And that's what ITA provides for them. So if somebody wants to get involved, if somebody wants to partner with you, donate money, whatever the case may be, how do they get in touch with you? So we are on social media, Institute of Tech. And then we also have our website, which is Institute of Technology and Academics. And you can just hit connect with us. Of course, they can always give me a call 414- 365-9375. I will always talk with anybody that will listen about ITA. 
Well, I really do appreciate your time in the studio here today, Blair. What a blessing to chat with you. What a blessing that you've been to your students, to the alumni, to their families. I mean, your life matters. You are doing some truly amazing work. And just for people that are listening to this, again, I try not to play favorites or anything, but boy, could you imagine a life without hope? And to some degree, some of these students come to you without a lot of that. And during the formative years of their life, when their brains are still developing, when their philosophies are still developing, when they've got their entire future in front of them, what better time to give these students hope? So I really do appreciate it, Blair. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for all the good work you do on ITA. And please keep up the good work and don't be a stranger. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Known with Paul M. Newberger. If you like our show and want to know more, Check us out at stargroup.com. That's S-T-A-R-R group.com slash podcast. We're also available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.